When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Clark. Before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up that producers Kim and Joel are on vacation this week. And so we are going back to our old format of you hearing calls instead of Kim and Joel asking the questions that you have posted for us for the show. So as soon as they're back, we'll go back to Kim and Joel being the ones asking questions you post at clark.com slash ask. And I want to talk about how you and I are doing more to stretch every dollar in our lives. And that's when we're shopping now, we are looking very closely at what every item costs. And we're finding in big numbers that we're trying the store brand rather than the comfortable national brand we've been using. We in the United States have the lowest take-up rate for private labels of any developed country. We are a very um, brand-influenced society, and so historically private labels have represented less than 20% of what we buy in the United States, meaning that for more than 80% of what we buy in a store, we are paying much more than we might necessarily need to because we want the assurance of that brand name. Well, since things got tough in March, we are buying much, much more store brand goods. And this is one retailer after another after another is seeing huge increases in market share for the store labels and store sales of their private label goods are up roughly 30 percent according to data from nielsen i saw in an msn money story that costco has seen a giant increase in the amount of kirkland signature products being sold is people are choosing to buy Kirkland Signature rather than the adjacent brand name. And the most interesting part of that is something I've believed wholeheartedly, and that is the quality of these store brands is so very good. But it's funny, survey data finds that only a third of people who bought a private label plan to stick with it so people do still find even in a time of harsh economic reality that they still 70 percent of people still hanker for that national brand name i would encourage you to think about how much money you're saving and if you find that you're happy with that private label there's no need for you when the wallet gets fatter again to go back to your old habits 
of buying that much more expensive national brand. And if the store brand makes you happy, keep buying it. Ronnie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, Clark. How are you? I'm doing fine. So, Ronnie, you uh, you apparently did really well last year investing on um, on the market. Is that right? Well, I've been playing with it uh, just a little bit. It, this was an online investment app that you had uh, recommended. And oh, are you I using Robinhood? Yes, it is Robinhood. And how have you found their platform to be? Has it been easy to use? Absolutely. Uh, I, I can't tell you the ease of use for it. I, I simply, a few times a day, I'll when I take a break, I'll get online and just check it really quick on the app on my phone. And I, I can just simply buy and sell so easily. I mean, one share or 100 shares, it doesn't really matter. It's just very simple. And it always says there's there's no fees for commission. You know, the commission fees on there, it always says zero. Um, so my, my question is, is this is going to be the first time I will ever have showed a profit. And as of today, I'm still showing $900 more than the money I've actually put in out of my bank account. And uh, I've never had any kind of a profit before. So I'm wondering, what is that going to do at the end of the year when I file taxes? Okay, so let me tell you what happens with investing. When you invest and hold a stock for a year, you pay a really low tax rate known as capital gains. If you own a stock for shorter you pay on the gain just as if it was more money in your paycheck. So it's known as ordinary income tax. So the tax rate's much higher when you buy and sell frequently than if you buy and hold and you're holding on to whatever you bought for that 12-month window. Okay, yeah, because most the, the most I've actually held onto any stocks is, you know, a few months at a time. And, uh, I mean, I do have a few back that I, I make some dividends on and, and everything, but uh, a lot of them I've just been buying, you know, they're, I don't know if you would consider them penny stocks or what, but, you know, some of them that, that I, I've bought like several thousand shares of, of of some that are like 20 cents a share and then turn around and sell them to like 25 cents a share and, you know, make, make a little bit of money on that. And so then I just take that and I keep buying other stuff and then I'll sell it, you know, a day or two later, a week later sometimes. I got to tell you what's funny. I'm smiling because you're making me shallow breathe. Because the way you're investing (laughs) is so different than, than my mindset. You know, I don't, I don't like individual stocks. I used to do that. I used to do that with uh, with another investment uh, company, and uh, the there was always losses. It, it was always losses, and uh, I just after listening to your program many many times, and and hear you say the the online app that we mentioned earlier, I, I went ahead and tried it one day, and I I just put a little bit of money over into it, and. Then I was like, wow, I just made some money when I sold that. And then I just started building it up a little bit more at a time. So I'm not holding on to anything. I'm just, I'm just having fun with it, playing with it. Well, it will keep having fun. I hope you're doing uh, – are you doing retirement investing elsewhere? I was, and I still do have um, investment with another company, but I haven't been putting anything more into it. Well, I would love it if you would consider that because 
the beauty if you do you probably have heard me talk about a Roth IRA yes so if you do investing through a Roth and you can do stocks you can do funds you can do whatever you want you don't have to worry about the taxes because everything that goes on is tax-free so as you have gains you don't pay any tax on them ever how does that exactly work though does that like a, an age cap or something or no no as long as you're you have a job and you're making money at a job you can do a Roth IRA and you can put in up to six thousand dollars in a year and now, even if you're self-employed, does that Even uh, if you're self-employed, as long as you've got earned income, you can do a Roth. So the, the thing that makes it so cool is what you're doing right now with Robinhood, you're doing a regular investment account. So you have to worry about, well, yeah, I'm having to pay ordinary income tax on my gains and all that, and i got to keep records of it and all that. If you're doing money in a Roth and using that where you're doing investing, then everything's tax-free and you can have the money in there and grow over the years and then you spend it down the road you spend it tax-free so as a first step as a self-employed individual doing the Roth is where I'd really like for you to look and if you're not that familiar with it I've got an explanation of it on Clark.com, you could also look at Investopedia.com and get an explanation about how a Roth works. And that would be more important to me than having an investment account that you're playing with. Just my opinion. Winona's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Winona. How are you? Hi, Clark. I'm fine. How are you today? Great. Thank you. And you are a teacher in the most difficult part of education <laughs> there's ever been. What did you do to yourself that you became a middle school teacher? Well, uh, I could say I chose unwisely, but I love what I do, so I have to say I chose this. I chose this path. <laughs> That's great, because you know when you talk to students after high school, they always talk about how middle school was the most difficult part of school. And <laughs> yeah. you talk to teachers, and the burnout rate obviously is the highest with yeah. middle school teachers. How long have you been one? Um, over 20 years. So you're, you're a keeper. You're one who loves it, and, <laughs> and you love having those kids going through all those physical and emotional changes all at once right before your eyes. Exactly. It's a circus every day, so I'm never bored. <laughs> All right. Well, how can I be of service to you since you are willing to get in there and serve our kids? Well, thank you. Um, actually, my students and I decided to contact you because they have an interesting question. Uh, debate arose wondering if Cash App or Venmo which one is the best, or are there any differences in the two? And uh, we've done surveys for how many students have one of these or both of them. Some of them actually have both. Uh, their parents have responded, and, um, of course, teachers in the building have some of these apps. And so we decided to ask you. So they all have their pluses and minuses, and I would say that, the advantage, and you're talking about Square Cash when you talk about the Cash App? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the advantage of Square 
is it makes it really easy to automatically put funds into a bank account or credit union account. And that's an advantage of it. They also don't have the thing Venmo has, which is this weirdo social uh, media kind of thing tied in with it. So if I were making a choice between the two, I would say Square Cash, but they're both great at what they do. But I also have a real bias because your student body, as students you're talking about, are 11 to 14 years old. Is that about where they are? Yes, they are. I still love cash, like uh, this thing that uh, that a lot of people don't know still exists, but it right. like the $1 bill, which is what I have mostly of, has a picture of this guy named George Washington on it. Exactly. And uh, it's good for all debts, uh, public and private, whatever it says, legal tender. Oh, I'll read it. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. And although it's not really true since there are places that won't accept cash anymore. But I feel that one thing that's really true with teenagers and preteens is that you don't sense the finiteness of money when it's just an electronic transaction on a smartphone. You are right, yes. So I would say that the students didn't ask this question, but the answer to the question is boring old cash... And again, congratulations to you that you love teaching middle schoolers. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you go to clark.com slash ask, post a question, and sometimes producer Joel will ask your question for you. Clark, let's read Steve's. He says, I'm looking to invest some money into marijuana stocks to get into the ground floor, so to speak. What's the best way to find a stockbroker to help me do this? Most companies I find seem to be investment companies that want all your business. So uh, you can you can buy into marijuana stocks if you want just by downloading the Robinhood app or going to any discount broker. You're free to buy them. Uh, Robinhood, you'll pay no commissions to buy them. But the question is, should you buy marijuana stocks? And the marijuana market is still in its infancy. It's very difficult to know who the winners are going to be. This is very speculative, almost the point of gambling getting involved in investing in marijuana. And so if you're not directly involved in the business, it's probably too hard to know who's going to be a winner and who's going to be a loser. So any money you put into a marijuana stock needs to be money you can afford to lose. All right, Clark and David wrote in. He says, I'm looking to refinance an investment property. Do you have any recommendations of where I should do that? To refinance? Refinance an investment property. All right. So refinancing an investment property is something that is more complicated than refining a personal residence. There are a number of mortgage brokers that specialize in investment real estate. If there's a local real estate investors club where you are, Google that, search for that. That's where you're going to find a ready supply of people who do that for a living, who specialize in it. Expect to pay three-eighths of a point to half a point higher in interest on a typical rental property refi versus market rates. All right, Clark. Dan uh, wrote in and he says, I'm thinking of buying gold. Is it best for me to buy gold coins and keep them at home? No, I, I know that's what most people do. I'm not a fan of that. I really prefer that you buy a gold fund. Then you don't have to worry about the huge 
uh, spread in cost between buying and selling physical gold, where you get just eaten up on that, and you don't have to worry about somebody stealing your gold. And I have on Clark.com information about how to buy gold as a fund where it's stored for you in a professional vault versus you buying physical gold. You have the same benefit, but at much lower cost. All right. And Shirley wrote in. She says, I read the article on your site about top tier gas stations. Does the same advice apply to diesel? Yes. Although you never see anything marketed about top tier diesel. But the same issues are involved. If you're not familiar with top-tier gasoline, it is a standard that goes way beyond state minimum standards as to the quality of the gas that you're buying to put in your vehicle. And the same exists if you have a pickup truck that runs on diesel or any kind of vehicle that runs on diesel, that if you buy top-tier gas, It doesn't mean that gasoline or diesel that's not top tier is bad. It just is a standard that gives you more assurance that you're buying fuel that is really good for your vehicle. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. And this is so important right now. That's why at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, We're putting a special emphasis on the things you need to know to reduce your expenses on what you normally pay, and then with Clark Deals, offer you lower prices on the things you need to buy. So why is this so important? Do you know that of people who have been laid off, new Federal Reserve data shows almost half are just wheezing? And the unemployment that they've received or the unemployment they haven't received yet um, has not been enough to deal with expenses. And I just last week told you that the number of people who didn't pay rent in the month of May looked like it was settling down at 8 to 9%. Now I've seen new data that says it's about 12% of people who are renters likely did not pay May rent. And the difference is how it's calculated, what database people are using. The reality is there are people who are having difficulties being able to pay their bills. And in terms of rent, that's the number one thing people are worried about being able to pay going forward. In fact, new data shows that it was in the Financial Times, shows that a little over 20% of people say they're very likely to not be able to pay rent as they look forward. And that's a significant number. The second highest category that people expect to have difficulty paying are their utilities. And so when you think about both of those things are directly related to having the roof over your head. And so this is something that I'd like you to think about as food being the highest priority in terms of what you make sure you have enough food to stay safe in your house with, your, with you or if you have others, family living with you, that you provide for food. But rent is a real flashpoint because 
unless you have a really safe situation of moving in with a friend or moving in with relatives, putting a high priority on paying rent or negotiating with your landlord is ultra important. Now, guess what the third thing is that people feel very likely they're going to have trouble paying? It's their auto loan, their vehicle loan. And the thing that works to your advantage right now with your vehicle loan is nobody wants that vehicle back with the oversupply. And you should see if you can negotiate a change in your payment terms for your vehicle loan if you're in a position that you're having difficulty paying. In fact, you'll hear this theme from me anytime unemployment uh, rises in the United States. I always talk about how when it gets tough for you to manage your bills, how key it is that you work really hard staying in contact with people you owe money to, organizations you owe money to. Because generally when people have a bill that they can't pay, they somehow ignore it. They put their head in the sand like it's going to go away. The reality is you only have a chance for an accommodation with someone or a payment plan or some kind of forbearance or anything like that when you stay in contact with them early and often. And David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You want to talk about getting two different kinds of credit in short order. Tell me. Right. Well, first of all, let me just thank you for all that you do. I think it's a great honor to speak to you, and I'm, I'm very appreciative, and I'm sure lots of people are as well. Well, you're kind to uh, say that. Thank you. So my wife and I, we wanted to get a home equity loan to redo our kitchen probably in the new year sometime. And in the meantime, we only have one credit card, and I know you've talked about having a second one. So I wanted to know, should we go ahead and apply for the credit card now, or should we wait? How will it affect the, uh, the home equity loan? Right. Do you like know that. what each of your credit scores are? Kelly's is 805, and I think I'm 790. <laughs> Do whatever you want. <laughs> they haven't always been that way. Yeah, but that's fantastic. So if you want to go ahead, if there's some kind of great deal on a card, you want to grab that right now, go ahead. You're good to do it. And the hit to your credit score will be maybe somewhere between 12 and 20 points, yeah. which will make no difference at credit scores like the two of you have in qualifying for the very best, most preferred rates on a home equity loan or a home equity line of credit. Okay. How long will it take you to pay back the home equity borrowing? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, Probably five years, I suppose. All right. Then I want you to concentrate on specifically a five-year home equity loan from a credit union. Yep. Because they offer, that is the absolute sweet spot with home equity borrowing right now is a five-year home equity loan where you get the fixed rate for the 60 months, and you don't have to worry about interest rate shock. Erica's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Erica. Hi, Clark. Your husband got taken by a scam. Tell me about it. He clicked on, he was on our home computer, and he clicked on the Microsoft virus, you've been infected, click here 
call and pay $199. We'll clean your computer. He gave him control of the computer. And then a couple hours later, he figured out he got scammed. So we followed your, yeah, we followed your guide. And so we did everything that you said, credit freezes, the malware and everything. And then a couple weeks later, um, some of my credit cards that were stored on that computer, the numbers were stolen. And I was notified by a vendor that someone um, had ordered office furniture and they were shipping it to my home address, but they thought maybe it was a fraudulent charge. I kind of dismissed it, made my credit card company aware of it. They said they would reverse the charge, no problem. And then a fancy headscarf was ordered from New York City. Uh, Again, stolen. I reported it. But about a week later, the actual headscarf showed up at my house. And so I talked to the vendor, and the vendor said that the IP address was from 5,000 miles away, um, and that they gave me the email address of the lady that ordered it and their phone number. Um, But the actual physical mailing address was my house, and I received it. So I let everyone know, so it's being taken care of, but I'm wondering, what is the scam? Why would they physically send me something that they fraudulently ordered? Right. Okay. Let me explain that in a second. I'm just curious, what location were they in 5,000 miles away? All she said, the IP address said it was over 5,000 miles. She could come up with an actual mileage. So but not, but not, a, not an actual place. Okay. No, not an actual place. Okay. So... Uh, the IP address may have been phony based on a VPN, a virtual private network being used. It's okay. possible the person was wherever they said 5,000 miles away, but usually what will happen is when somebody ships something under false pretenses and then has it delivered to your house, they will usually have a runner tracking the package, and when UPS or FedEx drops it off, They are there in an instant to pick it up before you even know it's been dropped off at your house. Okay. So that's the most common scenario because with the ability with UPS and FedEx where they'll notify you that it's on the truck for delivery and it should be delivered Mm -hmm. between 345 and 745 or whatever, it's created this crime of opportunity for criminals with a stolen credit card number to be able to track. And with what's happened, how many credit cards were stored on this computer? I'm not sure, but I know two were compromised. And I did the credit, uh, the credit fraud alert with the three bureaus, froze our credit, and that's still not going to help. That's still not going to help with existing cards. Okay. So be prepared that. Whatever existing card information was on that computer, the criminals have it now, and they may bide their time to try to use cards again or use ones they haven't used yet. So you just got to be vigilant with that. But your liability... Can I cancel those cards? You could defensively. um, You could do that, contact the credit card companies and have new ones issued. And you may remember on my guide, one possible solution with the computer that was compromised by the criminals is mm-hmm. to use it as a doorstop somewhere in your house. <laughs> so even doing the malware on there and selling it. You I, still have a risk I, that it could continue to have something on there that the malware did not find. And the risk is okay. still present. If it's an older computer, I would just junk it. 
Okay, I'll do that. Just because you don't want problems going forward. And do you well, think the criminals you. have your social security numbers? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I was involved with the Anthem breach, the Equifax breach. So, so they have your number have anyway. No All right. So yes. you're doing everything you should. You've done the credit freeze. Uh, you you know that the credit cards are vulnerable. There may be other things that pop up from time to time. But the other thing is you've brought a very important warning forward for people. And my sister sent me a text that she got contacted the same way that your husband was and mm -hmm. same kind of thing saying there was a virus on your computer and they were from Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. You just got to know that the whole thing is bogus and now you've helped so many other people. And the good news so far, other than hassle, it doesn't sound like you've had a disaster from this because of quick action on your part. Greg is with us, and Greg, you're trying to figure out the Social Security math puzzle, aren't you? That's correct. That's correct, Holler. Um, we are getting ready to retire a little bit early, and we have a whole bunch of uh, our, all of our ducks in a row. And uh, one last piece of the puzzle that I have on my spreadsheet from hell is, is how to calculate out the, the Social Security benefit if we do not have any income during the last five or ten years of our working career? All right, that is a great question. And, you know, it works on so many uh, consecutive quarters. But if you are, as part of a puzzle, trying to see if you can really afford to bag work at a mm -hmm. younger than normal age, you've got to buy maximize my social security you ever heard me mention okay. that no it was developed by um some college professors if i recall it's 40 dollars to buy a software license for it and you can run all the various scenarios that are exact for your personal situation it is the most clearly focused individualized um, calculator that anybody's ever come up with for Social Security and knowing the best way to claim it and to take it. Okay. Okay, good, because I had probably half of those calculations in, in, in there. It's just, it, was, it was just how much, if we have zero income, zero or little income, that would affect all my other calculations. Right, so that's why this one is the one that is by far the most helpful and that's why it's the only one I know of that you have to pay for but again it's MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com and you'll have the answers you need and that you're looking for they may not be the answers you want <laughs> but you'll have them Ted is with us on the Clark Howard Show hi Ted hello Clark good to talk with you well great to have you here you got a letter out of nowhere telling you that there was money hanging out there for you. Yeah, a company uh, sent my wife and I both a letter saying that they that there was unclaimed money that was left uh, supposedly from a cruise deposit with a cruise line, which we did use in 2010, and that the money was available to me. Otherwise, if they didn't hear from me by the end of next month, it would be sent to the state of Texas. 
as unclaimed property. And there was no fee attached with it. It simply was to sign this document and send it back to them. And supposedly they were going to get us the money. I don't, it just seemed a little bit, I don't see the downside to it, but it just seems a little bit unreasonable to me. It sounds pretty bizarre, and I have yeah. never heard of this ever. Yeah. Now, are they asking for your checking account transit numbers to deposit the money no, into? Nope, 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 no, not with the initial letter. That's what I'm wondering. Once I send them something back, then they may be asking me something. But the initial letter, they just say, sign it and send it back to them. And do they claim to be doing this on behalf of the cruise line? Yes, it does. Yes. Have you called the cruise line to ask if there's any such thing as this? No, I have not. That's what I would do. And you'll have, you just can't call the cruise line reservations because they won't know anything about it. But if you look up the cruise line headquarters, and many of them are based in Miami, so it's not hard to find the cruise line headquarters. You call their toll number, and I would ask for the, um, the Office of the Legal Counsel. Okay. okay. And that's how you'd find out if this is a normal course of business for them. Yeah. The letter they send is on the company's letterhead, and it also has an insignia of the cruise line on it, trying to make it look official, if be it not. Yes. I mean, I guess this is possible, but it, it would be new for me and unique, and that's why I would go to the source and see if there's any such thing going on. I mean, how much could the deposit be anyway? Fifty dollars a person, or hundred bucks, hundred bucks a person, hundred bucks a person. So yeah. uh, you could wait till the money is turned over to the state of Texas. You must be a resident of the state of Texas. If, yeah, correct. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the state has a pretty easy procedure to get money that you're owed if money yeah. is turned over to the state. Oh, there you go. So you can see, and there's a there's a database that most states participate in called missingmoney.com that's completely free to use. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you'd be able to see if any money's hanging out there for you. Yeah. And it's a really easy process to get your money. In they reference that the part of this is done because of the Sorbane-Oxley compliance requirements or something that the company has to make this knowledge to the individuals that they owe the money to or something like that. I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really out there even more. So I would, if you want to make the call, I'd call the cruise line and see what you can find out that way before I'd ever respond to this letter. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.